0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. St. Augustine once said, love God and then do whatever you want. I'll say that again, love God and then do whatever you want. Well, for some of you, you probably say, boy, I've been waiting to hear that all my life. But that's not exactly what St. Augustine meant. What he meant by is that it doesn't give us a green light to enter into a life of debauchery or any type of lifestyle that is contrary to the gospel. No, not at all. Instead, what he means by this is if we truly love God, if God is the first love of our life, if we give ourselves over to God, heart, mind, and soul, well, then everything that we do will be devoted to God. Everything that we do will run parallel to the gospel and to all the teachings of Christ in his church. Essentially, our will will be aligned with the will of God if we truly love God with our heart, mind, and soul. See, then, yes, we love God, and then we can do whatever we want because our will is aligned to the will of God. Now, go to the first reading, as well as in the gospel, You have two people here who have loved God and they have aligned their will to the will of God. In the first reading, we see Abraham. He teaches us the proper disposition, the proper reaction to the presence of God in our life. Now, notice how it begins. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebrinth of Mamre, as he sat in the entrance of his tent while the day was growing hot. Now, it's interesting, when God appears to Abraham, he appears as three persons. Now, our early church fathers looked at this story, and they said that this story foreshadows the doctrine of our Holy Trinity, in which we believe in one God, but three persons of God. Now, Abraham realizes he is in the divine presence of God and engages in this frenetic sense of hospitality. First, he washes all their feet, and then he gives them some refreshment. Then he has Sarah, his wife, make some cakes for them. Then he has a servant slaughter the best calf. He is furiously awaiting upon all three persons of God. Now, what do we have to understand about this? Is that hospitality in the ancient world in the Middle East was a sign of great moral behavior. You know, you had to receive your guests generously Treat them very well. And so this is the proper reaction to the presence of God breaking into our life. Now, Abraham sees the presence of God in his life and notice he drops everything. He is riveted on God. Everything else in his life is on the periphery. God is the sole focus of Abraham's attention. See, that's why he engages in this frenzied pace of hospitality. Well, that's a great lesson for us all. You know, this is how we should respond to God when he breaks into our life in many different ways, through prayer, through the sacraments, whatever it may be, through events or people. Notice at the very end of the story, the three men get up as they're about to leave. And they asked Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? He replied, there in the tent. One of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Now, upon hearing this, Sarah bursts out in this roar of laughter. Why? Because Abraham and Sarah are both well into their 90s. She doesn't believe it. She thinks it's a joke. But Abraham does. Abraham trusts and he believes. And sure enough, a year later, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. And Isaac in Hebrew means God laughs. Now, what's the implication? Well, when we focus our attention on God, when we are riveted on God, just like Abraham well, then it's going to benefit our life. You know, we are going to truly recognize the presence of God in our life and then we can do whatever we want because we are riveted, we are focused on God. Our will is aligned to the will of God. Now, this first reading really sets the tone for the gospel this weekend. Now, this gospel I have learned through my years as a priest is one which really stirs up a lot of reaction. People strongly defend either Mary or Martha. Now notice how the story opens up. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. Now, if we read the gospel story through the lens of the first reading, we know right away this gospel story has nothing to do about hospitality. Martha is doing her best to welcome Jesus as a good servant. Now, some will also say that this gospel story is about the active versus the contemplative life. Well, that could be true. But I'm always challenging you to dig deeper in the spiritual life. See, spiritually, that's where the real pearls are found. Now, what does Jesus really criticize Martha for? It's that her mind and her soul are split. They're not focused on the one thing. As the early church fathers used to describe it, the unum necessarium, the one thing necessary, Christ himself. They're split. They're going in opposite directions. Her mind is going this way. Her soul is going that way. However, notice Mary, her mind, her heart, her soul, all focused, riveted on Jesus Christ. That's why it says she sat at Jesus' feet and soaked in everything that Jesus was talking to her or teaching her. See, it's a great spiritual lesson for us all. Like Abraham, Mary is riveted on Jesus, heart, mind, and soul. And so she has aligned her will to the will of Christ and see, now she is free, free to do anything she wants. But what is she doing? She's riveted on every word that Jesus is talking to. She's soaking it all in. And in doing so, it's a great spiritual gift for her. You know, another lesson that we can learn from this is we can't have the attitude of Martha. We can't yell at Jesus and expect Jesus to respond to that. Martha comes up to Jesus and She says, Tell her to help me. Well, the first thing we can take is it's not good to yell at God. The second thing is you can't tell God what to do. Instead, it's just the opposite. You know, for us all, and any given day, when we are at work, whatever we're doing, whether in the neighborhood, whether we're busy taking the kids to one thing or another, what we have to recognize that sometimes our lives are preoccupied. You know, with deadlines or meetings or running errands or just work. You know, we're preoccupied, we're anxious about getting all these things done over the course of a week or maybe even a day. You know, we're kind of like Martha ourselves. You know, we're not really riveted completely on the Lord. We don't give him our full time and attention. Instead, our mind is going this way and our will is going that way. Our intellect is going that way and our heart is going another way. Well, what happens is if we do that, we're basically following Martha's problem. We're preoccupied with so many things in our life, we no longer have the attention of God in our life. Well, Mary does. Mary's chosen the unum necessarium. That's why Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part and will not be taken away from her. Well, Mary has chosen the Unum Necessarium, and in doing so, now she is free to do whatever she wants. But she will do the will of God because she's focused on him. See, when God appears in our life, just like he appeared to Abraham, just like he appeared to Mary, we drop everything. You know, we focus our entire time and attention on the one thing necessary, which is the presence of God in our life. And see, when we do that, then we are free, free to do whatever we want, because whatever we do, it's always what God wants us to do. You know, there's another great example of this. You know, Peter, that great story in which Jesus is walking along the water, and all of a sudden, Peter asks Jesus to command him to come out. Well, Peter starts to walk on the water, but he's able to walk because he's riveted. His entire attention is on Christ. And then what happens? Well, Peter, he loses his focus. He starts looking at the waves and his focus now is on the storm and the rain. And what happens? He begins to sink into the water. Well, he loses. He loses being riveted on God. Well, our focus must be on Christ always, each and every day of our life. You know, the early church fathers said Mary chose the unum necessarium, And in doing so, she was free, free to do anything that she wanted, because anything that she did do would be always in union with God's will. See, when that happens, then we truly have purpose and meaning in life. Now, Christ is at the very heart of our mind, our soul, our will, and our intellect, completely focused on God. Now, everything that we do in our life, no matter what it is, whether it's Work or play or hobbies, whatever it may be, it's always aligning our will to the will of God. See, then we are truly free. Then our, our life has purpose and meaning. St. Augustine once said, I'll give you that quote love God and then do whatever you want. Well, in the first reading, we have Abraham, and in the gospel, we have Mary, two people that love God very much. Their whole attention was completely devoted to God, and in doing so, now they were able to do whatever they wanted because they were free. Their will was aligned to the will of God, and now whatever they did or whatever they said or thought was always in union with God, His presence in their life, and that's a wonderful lesson for us all. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.